This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 84, recorded on December 18th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's podcast, the winter meetings are over, Carlos Santana is gone, and how can we ever survive without baseball? Before we get into all that, I want to thank everybody listening live now or on Facebook or wherever you may be tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and consider leaving us a review. Joining me for all that and more, as always, is Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? I've been better. Um, the Carlos Santana news was news that I expected to be faced with at some point this offseason. Uh, but I was holding out some hope they'd bring him back. Um, and regardless of how realistic I thought it was, the reality of him signing with another team uh, has been a major bummer for me. Um, anyone who's paid that much at attention to what I've written or said uh, at the site or on the podcast knows uh, I adore Carlos and uh, yeah so I've been pretty bummed out that was not who I wanted to go into my weekend with with finding out that uh, I wouldn't have my beloved Lando Carlosian to cheer for in the Indians next year so, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the sad stuff in a minute but I think you can um, wasn't there one fun thing you did this weekend that you're kind of looking forward to one minor uh, thing. Well, the other thing I did, yes, Thursday night. I didn't wait for the weekend. Well, yeah. Thursday night, I went to see at the earliest possible opportunity, The Last Jedi. Um, but I can't say much about that because, I mean, while it made $220 million this weekend, surely there are a few people planning to see it who haven't seen it yet. I don't know who <laughs> would want to see it and not have already gotten around to it. Uh, <laughs> certainly no one who's... Star Wars bona fides I can respect, but uh, there must be a few people with some sort of reason I couldn't see it yet. So I feel like I probably shouldn't say much about it at the moment. There's subtle hinting that it's me that hasn't seen it would be correct. But I do have an excuse because my wife and kids were out of town and my wife wanted me to wait and see it with her. So we're seeing it Wednesday. So is that uh, or should I have just have snuck off and seen it anyway and told her I didn't? Yeah, no, I, I definitely <laughs> would have snuck off and seen it. And maybe down. All right. I don't have an excuse then. There's no excuse. <laughs> What uh, what did happen this week, or I guess last week, was the winter meetings. Not not quite as exciting as Star Wars. Not, I mean, maybe sometimes winter meetings are pretty exciting, but this has been tremendously boring. It's probably one of the least eventful I can think of in a long time, especially for the Indians. Um, a quick recap of what they did. They did sign Melvin Upton Jr. to a minor league deal. Um, that'll be worth $1.5 million if he makes it to the majors. He played 12 games in the minors last season, got injured, didn't play a whole lot before that. He was he was a solid enough career player over his career, and he's a lot younger than I thought he would be. I mean, he's 33, but I thought he was like in his late 30s at this point. Um, and the most memorable Indians thing about him is that he was the he was the one who kind of messed up the play for the Tyler Naquin walk-off home run a couple years ago. Um, so that's that's the way he's tied to the Indians a lot. This feels a lot like the, the Austin Jackson signing. Um, that was the Indians' big, quote-unquote, big transaction of the offseason. To this point, they also signed, and I'm not making this name up, I swear, it's Lee Salverto Bonilla to a minor league contract. John Hammond tweeted it today, and if, if he's tweeting that kind of deal, that is that tells you how the offseason has gone so far. Um, he's a 27-year-old right-hander who's been all over in the minor leagues. He had an 8-10 ERA last season with the Reds, so he was part of the Reds' just overall awful bullpen, but maybe he can be kind of like the next out-of-nowhere reliever the Indians have. I don't know. Um, but they did trade another reliever. I think the last time we did our episode, the only reliever gone was Brian Shaw, who, of course, signed with the Mets. In that time, Sean Armstrong, he was traded to the Mariners for um, 200000 in pool money next year. And the important thing there is that Armstrong doesn't have any more options. Um, 
anyone who's watched the Indians and Armstrong over the last couple of years has seen just how many times they've transferred him between here and Columbus. So it kind of makes sense that he didn't really have a place on the Indians roster if they didn't think he'd stick because clearly they haven't had confidence in him a lot. He's he's a high strikeout guy, but he walks a ton. So they're going to give him up and try to develop some more players down lower. And then, of course, Carlos Santana signed with the Phillies. Three years, $60 million. Um, we'll talk about that one in a minute. But first, let's talk about the uh, the big acquisitions of the Indians, Jason. Uh, Melvin Upton Jr. and Luis Alberto Bonilla. So how are you feeling about this offseason? Does, does it compare to last year when they got that Edwin Encarnacion guy? I don't think it's even close, right? You know, there was, there was a time when the Indians getting an Upton was something that I wanted very much. Um, <laughs> but at this point... Uh, to the extent that I might still have wanted the Indians to get an Upton, uh, Bossman Jr. is not moving the needle very much. Like you said, though, it's it's sort of the equivalent to the Austin Jackson signing last year. Uh, the Austin Jackson signing worked out, I think, uh, pretty much 99th percentile of how well you could hope a signing like that would turn out. Upton probably won't do what uh, Jackson did for the Indians. Um, but... I also think Indians fans should prepare themselves for an offseason uh, filled with moves of approximately that caliber and not much bigger. I don't think it's – I mean, maybe he won't do as much as Austin Jackson did, but I don't think he's, he has he has a chance to be pretty good. And he's only 33, and he has a surprising number of pretty good seasons. He's put up 20 home runs several times, so maybe not quite the the kind of insane off, off, off offensive season that Austin Jackson had, but – I wouldn't be surprised if he does make the roster and then is that player again in the outfield somewhere for the Indians, uh, like you said. But Carlos Santana, that one, that doesn't feel good at all. That's <laughs> three years, $60 million with the uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies. That's the same exact guaranteed money the Indians gave Edwin last year. So if that's what Santana was getting in the, the free agent market, which is kind of what we feared, that he would just be worth way too much, it's clear that the Indians probably really didn't have a chance. I'm sure they had an opportunity to counter that, but they just had to say no. And at that point it was, he was pretty much going to the Phillies because they're not going to be able to pay that much. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure what you said, you know, that when, once they had that offer in hand, uh, they reached back out to Cleveland and said, Hey, this is what we've got. Uh, do you want to match it or how close can you get to it? Uh, and I suspect Cleveland told them, you know, we're we're happy you're getting a contract like that. Uh, we can't make that work for us. So uh, all the best to you in Philadelphia. How much do you think that was like really what he was getting in the free agent market or how much of that was the Phillies just they do have a lot of money. And they want to get somebody big like if the Phillies didn't come along. Do you think he would have made that much or because the, the Phillies were tied to a lot of players this offseason and they just happened to get Santana, I think. And that's. I don't think it's an exorbitant amount of money, but that's quite a bit for Santana for three years. It's yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's I, I think it's market value, but I, I think it's probably, you know, I think he was wise to take that offer. I don't think, you know, if he had waited two months that someone else was going to come out of the woodwork and, and offer more than that. Um, you know, I think the Phillies are trying to hit next offseason looking like they have the framework to be an immediate contender uh, so that they can go after someone like Bryce Harper and say, you know, you can put us over the top. You're not going to be joining some sort of in-process rebuild. I feel like they needed to do something this offseason 
they've got a lot of money. I mean, they've run with a top five or six payroll before. Uh, and I think, you know, they, they probably have the revenue streams to not be that far off that in the future when they want to. Um, and I'm sure Bryce Harper is the guy they're looking at. Obviously a lot of teams with a lot of money are going to be looking at Bryce Harper a year from now. Um, but I think the Phillies only real chance, uh, to be players for someone like him next year is to have a, a much improved team for next year. So I think, uh, you know, Santana makes them look like a more viable landing spot for someone who wants a ton of money, but also probably wants to, you know, continue to be playing in the postseason and, and going after a ring. Yeah. The Phillies are in kind of a weird spot that they, they obviously want to be, I mean, they want to be in the running for Bryce Harper next year, but they're not a great team right now. So like you said, they're, they have to build something to show that you're not coming to a train wreck and, Please don't go to the Yankees. <laughs> I imagine it's not going to be between too many teams because of how much Bryce is going to get paid. Um, but I I like the idea of Bryce and Philly. I have no real general feelings toward the Phillies other than stop stealing our great first baseman. But I think that'd be neat. Maybe you'll see Carlos Santana get a ring or at least get to the World Series and lose to the Indians. So I'm fine with seeing Santana winning, especially what it's like with Bryce Harper. That's a good point. Um, because last, next offseason, everybody's talked about it a ton, but... That is the big one. If Manny Machado doesn't sign an extension anywhere, he's going to be a free agent. Bryce Harper is a free agent. Um, I believe there's a couple more. I can't think of the top of my head. But next year is the year everybody's aiming for one way or another. The Phillies just have an interesting way of doing it. Like The Yankees are the Yankees. What do they have to do to build for it? And other teams with big payrolls, they're most of the time they're good for a while. But the Phillies have been so bad for so long, it's going to be hard to prove that you can come here and still at least win something. Which I think Santana does quite a bit. For, he's probably the biggest free agent this offseason, I think, besides like you, Darvish, maybe. So it does go a long way towards doing that for him. Yeah, well, I mean, because the the only potentially better free agents, uh, you know, Darvish, who you mentioned, uh, and I think are, are Eric Hosmer and J.D. Martinez. Um, but those guys are going to cost so much money that they potentially limit a team's, you know, ability to give someone a... I don't know, $400 million contract next offseason, 500. I mean, if Bryce Harper, I mean, it'll depend a little bit on how his 2018 goes, but if he has a big 2018, um, I think he'll shatter the record for biggest contract. Um, and so while the Phillies have money to spend, I don't know that they wanted to hand out, you know, a $120 million contract this offseason, uh, if that would potentially hamper them. So I think this is a good, like, strong move um that's not actually in you know 2017 major league baseball terms that big a commitment yeah and you brought up um jd martinez so i'm going to bring up a question that we got asked i think it was kind of i didn't even think of this before somebody mentioned it um where was it oh no i lost it somebody uh, mentioned that uh jensen lewis tweeted Oh, there it is. Okay, Nikolic Marco on Facebook. He asked, Jensen, Jensen Lewis tweeted that we should keep an eye on J.D. Martinez or Hosmer situation and hope the Edwin scenario happens again. That's not completely out of the question. I don't think they have the money to do it again or anything even close, but the idea of J.D. Martinez falling quite a bit is kind of interesting for the Indians, I think. Um, do you see any kind of chance of that happening? I'm not even going to talk about your, I, your I Hosmer. I see a 0% chance of either. <laughs> I, can, I mean, I can see the market falling apart for both of those guys. Um... But no, not to nearly the extent that would be required for the Indians to remotely have a chance. Uh, it's everyone should put that idea completely out of their head. 
Um, and in, with, in the case of Eric Hosmer especially, I think it's great that the Indians are in no danger of being the team that signs him to a contract. <laughs> That's a really uh, good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like the Edwin Encarnacion signing did not signal that the Indians are suddenly a huge spender. It signaled that they made the big splash that they were able to make that was going to prevent them from being able to make a similar big splash uh, in the next offseason or two. Um, the Indians are already over their opening day 2017 payroll figure for 2018. Um, not because they've added new players, but because existing players get more expensive the longer you have them. Um, there's no way J.D. Martinez or Eric Hosmer is coming. Um, the only player with a contract remotely like that that I could fathom them signing this offseason was Santana. And that's just because I always think keeping a guy is, you know, a little more likely to, you know, to, to get a team to kind of overspend. Um, the Indians aren't going to sign anyone for half the money Santana got, I don't think, at this point. Yeah, and if if it, the if the Martinez contract would, if there's any way they'd get him, it would have to be like way less than Santana, or it's going to look really bad not bringing back Carlos Santana because he, I think, is better than JD Martinez. In a lot uh, of ways, and like oh, JD Martinez is going to get a much bigger contract, I think. Well, that's what I'm saying. J- Unless it got way lower, then it's going to look. And bad. I, there, and I just there's, I would say basically a zero percent chance of right. them getting a lower contract than Santana. Yeah, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Like, this, if they paid him more than what they're paying Santana, it does I don't think it makes any sense at all. And you'd have to drop so low that, like you said, it's just not going to happen. Um, but back to Santana. So at MG Bode underscore WFNY from over at Waiting for Next Year. He wanted. To, he asked our top five moments of the Carlos Santana era. We're going to narrow it down to our favorite, um, just to kind of slim it down a little bit. But Santana, it's no secret. Um, you've said it before. You've said it a lot that <laughs> you love Carlos Santana. I think a lot of Indians fans do. Let's go tribe generally as a whole does. So, what's your overall favorite moment from Carlos Santana's eight years with the tribe? Um, well, I, like a lot of people, I mean, the first one that maybe jumps out at me is he hit a home run in the World Series. So that was pretty big. Um, but really, and I have a hard time picking a moment just because, I don't know, in a lot of ways, baseball to me isn't about moments just because, like, there's so many games and it's in some ways just the, like the accumulation of moments that you only half remember. You just kind of, the overall sense they give you when they compile is what stands out. Um, but one moment that does definitely stand out for me is uh, from way back in 2013, uh, I'm 98% sure it was against the White Sox uh, at Progressive, and he had a, an extra inning walk-off home run. Uh, it was just, you know, like a random regular season game. Um, and I, But I think the reason it stands out is uh, in between third and home base, third, sorry, third base and home plate, um, he was running down the bases like a kid and some photographer whose pictures get fed into the pictures that Let's Go Tribe can use snapped a picture of him where he sort of looks like he's skipping down the bases, his helmet's off. I probably used that picture for like five different posts during like the year and a half after it first was in the database. So in large part because I so finally remember that picture, uh, the home run that led to that picture is it's probably my favorite Carlos Santana moment. Yeah, that's a good one. It's it's hard to to narrow down a favorite moment for him just because of so much of what he did was just draw walks. <laughs> he was great at being patient at the plate. Um, I mean, those are never exciting, but they're always really good and they always help. Uh, but mine is just really simple. It's just when he caught the 
the ball to end the ALCS last season. That's whenever yeah, I think of Santana, that's gonna be the one I always think of is that image of him going to his knees immediately and that was really exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That's a that's an outstanding image of Carlos. It's like you said, him on his knees with his arms outstretched. It's a yeah, good call. It's not like anything amazing that he did. He was just kind of there for a pop-up, but it's just something that's always tied to him. Um, I always like his home run celebration. The fact that, um, can't remember when it was, but at one point he tweeted his daughter does it too. He had a picture of her when he hits home run on TV. She does the same exact thing. I thought that was really cute. It's not really on the field moment, but it's just one of my favorite Carlos things. It just seems like he really likes playing baseball and he's going to do it someone else for a while. Um, the other question that MG Boat asked is all-time position player rank for Carlos Santana in Indians franchise history. This, of course, is kind of hard to do, but if you want to be really straightforward about it, I guess, um, just sorting by war overall, he's 24th in Indians history for some kind of starting point, I guess. But where would you put him in Indians position players in history? I mean, it's obviously a ton, but he's somewhere up there. He's in the top quarter just based on war alone. Yeah, I I mean, I have a hard time with, you know, again, like, I mean, I could do what, what any of us who, who have a a play index account could do. Uh, and then fan graphs, you don't even need that. And just kind of sort by war. I, a couple of years ago, dug into like all the Indians players from my lifetime, uh, just to put something together. And then after this season ended, um, you know, some of the guys that I had looked at two years earlier, uh, Santana, Brantley, Kipnis on the pitcher side, uh, you know, Kluber and Carrasco, um, just to kind of update it. And so I feel like, Going back 30, 35 years, uh, and the question was specifically about position players, I feel like Santana's somewhere right around 10th, somewhere in like the, the 8th to 12th range. You know, there, there's the guys who are clearly ahead of him, Tome and Lofton and Manny and Bell and Sizemore and Vizquel, uh, and I think Hafner. I think that's kind of like the clear top seven um, and then I think you get into like Shinsu Chu and Roberto Alomar, who didn't play for the Indians that long, but was so good while he was there. Uh, and Victor Martinez and Carlos. Um, and I think he's in sort of that tier. So somewhere right around 10. And uh, that's really, really good to be one of like the 10 or 12 best position players in a team over like, you know, 35 years. Uh, I don't think that's really his reputation. And I know a lot of people are listening to this and, 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 you know, mentally thinking of five or six players they would immediately put above him, uh, including probably Brantley and Kipnis in a lot of cases. Um, but I think if you really look at it, um, you know, his peak's not quite as high as a lot of those guys. Um, but he's put in a lot of really solid seasons. And uh, I think he's pretty high up there. You know, that comes with being a below average catcher and abysmal third baseman and just kind of figuring out his way at first base for over a year and a half. So if he was stuck at first base and good at it for a while, I think he'd be even higher than he is. But is it fair to probably say, I'm trying to make sure I don't have anybody that I'm missing here, but is he kind of the best player since the Grady size, the Grady size more since Grady size more, he kind of bridged that gap. I know that Lindor and Ramirez are here now, but yeah, I think if you looked at like the last 10 years, going back to sort of size last great season, um, so that you're, you know, you're, you no longer have him at the top of the list. Um, yeah, I think it'd be Santana. And, you know, and that's a much narrower time period, but you're, you're still talking about, you know, basically a decade. Um, you know, and Corey the Kluber's absolute been, best in that time period, too. Yeah, and Corey Kluber's been the team's best player overall. But if we're just talking position players, to me, 
Santana goes ahead of Brantley and Kipnis. Uh, and, you know, given that Brantley and Kipnis are still under contract with the team, certainly they could pass him. And, you know, when you start to look two, three years down the road, then I hope Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez both pass him because that would mean they both continue to be really awesome. Uh, but at this moment in time, I think Carlos Santana has done more for the Indians uh, than anyone but Kluber on the roster. Yeah, it's kind of go a long ways of saying that he made the Indians watchable for a few pretty miserable seasons, which might be kind of the reason that people have a little, that a lot of people don't see him as great as he is, is because he was on such bad teams a couple times, and but he was still the best position player, so it's kind of a big deal. Um, so let's see, what happened next? Oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about with the bullpen, um, there's always, so the Indians lost Brian Shaw, he's one of the best relievers pretty close to one of the, like the, maybe the second tier in baseball. And he was one of the Indians best relievers last year. So that's a big deal, but they also lost Sean Armstrong and Joe Smith. And immediately people were saying the Indians bullpen is gone. It's finished. Um, they're ruining it. What are they doing? I don't get that at all. <laughs> I mean, Brian Shaw was really good. Joe Smith was kind of good for half a season and Sean Armstrong was constantly optioned and was never very good. So I don't get, are you seeing that we kind of talked about bullpens last week, but are you seeing this whole the sky is falling thing for the Indians bullpen that some people seem to be, or is it just kind of an immediate overreaction to three players who happen to pitch in the bullpen, one of them for half a season, one for a few innings being gone all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean to me, Shaw is the only real loss there. Um I mean, which isn't to say Joe Smith's not a good pitcher, um, but it's not like he was a significant contributor really last year, uh, for the most part. So yeah, I don't I I think there's just a lot of people who are prone to freaking out. Um, so many of the questions we got this week, you know, have to do with, you know, how are the Indians just letting the Yankees get Stanton and letting this team do that and this team do that. And it's like, they've completely lost touch with the reality of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, the Indians still have the, probably the best one, two punch at the end of the bullpen of any team in baseball. So a year from now, I think the bullpen's in serious trouble because Andrew Miller and Cody Allen will probably both be leaving after 2018. Um, but for one more year, I think the bullpen will be pretty good. I have a pretty decent amount of confidence in Francona, you know, getting solid innings out of guys for, you know, setup roles, middle relief roles and stuff like that. Um, you know, I do think Shaw's a real loss, but it's not... It's not some major blow. And, you know, even Carlos Santana, like as much as I love him, uh, you know, it, he doesn't, his absence doesn't knock the Indians out of front runner in the AL Central status. And there was no plausible thing the Indians were going to do this offseason that was going to live up to the Yankees, you know, basically taking Stanton from the Marlins because the Marlins are a horribly run baseball team that, should be folded instead of being allowed to run the way they run run for the last 10 years. Jeter's doing it the right way, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the right way. <laughs> so with the Indians losing Santana and I guess kind of the bullpen, maybe they're, they're looking ahead now um, to what they can do. I don't think Melvin Upton Jr. Is the end of everything. There's going to be at the very least a bunch more minor league contract signings, but if they want to go out and find um, some kind of bat, we talked about a lot of first basemen last week. But since we did that, um, one has kind of caught my eye more and more is Yonder Alonso. Um, he's been surprisingly kind of good with the Padres. I forget who he was. I think it was with the Padres last season again. No, it wasn't. Who was it? The A's, I think? Yeah, the A's last year was really good with him. Um, he hit over 20 home runs. He's another one like Logan Morrison that we talked a lot about last week that 
he hit a ton of home runs in a year that everybody hit home runs. And if everybody's going to hit home runs from now on, does that mean he's he's more valuable now? And I think it kind of might if he can keep doing it. So he's another one that could be a potential replacement for Carlos Santana, I think. Um, otherwise, there just isn't a whole lot out there. Um, Merritt Rolfing, he asked, more realistic if they sign Adrian Gonzalez or Logan Morrison. Um, I guess Logan Morrison, sort of. I don't see any reason the Indians would want Adrian Gonzalez. I mean, do you? He was recently traded to the Braves and then just released just because they didn't want him. So he is I out there. He could probably have like a minor more realistic deal. just because I don't think the Indians are going to spend what Logan Morrison's going to take. I mean, I don't, I'm not like super pumped about the idea of getting Adrian Gonzalez, but I think someone like Adrian Gonzalez is the more likely outcome. Yeah, like, yeah, just some kind of minor league deal, not... So you don't think they're going to do any kind of big move at first base? Is just going to be Edwin there and, I guess, maybe even Brantley there and something else in the outfield? Well, I mean, I think if they sign Adrian Gonzalez, it will be with the intent that he can be their first baseman for a lot of next year, and Encarnacion will play a little bit more than he did this year. Um, I, I don't think they're giving anyone a $10 million a year contract this offseason. I'd be surprised if they gave anyone... a. Seven million dollar a year contract this offseason. Yeah, that's and yeah, Gonzalez's minor league deal wouldn't be too bad, I don't think. Um, and yeah, anything else you think would be? I mean, th- there's no big contract they can do, but anybody else you've had your eye on, that they could do a minor league deal for, or just you just need to I mean, a I bunch just, of minor leaguers. My eyes on minor league deals. I like when when guys get signed to one, you know, I note it and like, well, you know, kind of look closer at them. Them, but I mean, you know. It, and some of them, like Austin Jackson, will work out really well. Um, but I don't have the time or the energy to try to anticipate like every potential minor acquisition like the Indians have mostly done so far this offseason. Uh, I don't think any of them moved the needle that much. Uh, and as I've said already tonight and said multiple times last week, like the Indians don't need to move the needle that much. I know people want to have the best team on paper going into the season. Um, the Indians aren't going to, they're going to be slightly behind a couple other teams in the American league. Um, but unless things go very wrong, they're going to win the division again. And then, you know, they're not going to be the favorites in the postseason, and they're the most likely outcome is not going to be them winning the world series. But if they sign Logan Morrison, the most likely outcome is still not going to be them winning the world series. If they sign JD Martinez, the most likely outcome is still not going to be them winning the World Series. Like, it's just the nature of the beast. And I I don't know. I, maybe I've just been around too long. I don't know how people can continue to get so bent out of shape that the Indians can't operate with a $180 million payroll. Uh, and I know you're not asking about guys that would bump the payroll up that much. Um, but I just feel like the, the caliber of player they're going to sign this offseason is guys that – uh, unless you're making your living studying, you know, off-season options, it's hard to be that up to, to speed on all of the guys they might sign, I feel like. There's, there isn't anyone who really jumps out at me as, ooh, if they got him, that would be more exciting to me than some other non-roster invitee. Yeah, Do you have are, – are, are there a couple of guys – I mean, you mentioned Lonzo, but he's obviously not going to be that kind of signing. He would be more like a Logan Morrison-type acquisition. I mean, are there – Melvin Upton level guys that are on your radar that you hope they get. I mean, for, I clearly saw L- Lissel Verdo Bonilla coming. I can't believe you didn't see that coming. Were you not following his his rise through the minors? I was not following him <laughs> on the gram. I was not aware of. <laughs> no, I don't have anybody either. I mean, is Pedro Alvarez? Can he be like a minor league deal? I don't know. He's not very, not really great first baseman. But 
I don't know. There isn't a whole lot because again, like first basement are ones you don't usually get on those kinds of deals, and it's going to be weird what the Indians try to do. I don't know if they're going to just slap Brantley at first. Maybe Jason Kipnis there, or or what they do. But I don't have any either really on target. Those they just kind of come out of nowhere, like you said. Um, and last week we talked about speaking of Jason Kipnis that the Indians and Mets were supposedly talking about trading for him, and it seemed like at the time the Indians it was going to be kind of like a dump situation. Like we don't have a place to play him. You guys might need a second baseman here. Do you want him? Give us some stuff. But apparently that's not the case. Uh, the New York Post had a post today where it said the Mets were, it was the Mets's buy low option was Jason Kipnis. And that was apparently, it was not going to be as cheap as they thought. Um, two anonymous sources within the Indians, um, they told New York Post that while the Mets and Indians have discussed the trade of Kipnis to fill the Mets's hole at second base, the Indians' desire and need to move Kipnis is not as strongly perceived. And that's from the the way they put it was two industry sources said in the condition of anonymity. Um, that could be from the Mets or from the Indians. Somebody saying that, that the Indians are, are wanting a lot more for Jason Kipnis than initially thought. Um, which is kind of interesting that the Indians, they're not looking to just dump one of their most popular players and one of their team leaders. So <laughs> I guess that goes as a good thing. Um, and Kipnis, to his credit, uh, a few days ago, he said to MLB.com, why would I want to be traded? We're a 100-win team in the middle of our window. Why would I want to go anywhere else? It's not... And it's with all my best friends. I want to be with the Cleveland Indians. I've been here forever. I'm comfortable here. And I've always wanted to finish what we started. So as far as just a person, I don't want him to be traded. Um, I thought for a while it might make sense to trade him as a baseball thing. But I'm also not too upset that it looks like the Indians are not going to let him go for nothing. They're going to find some place to play him. I know you've been on the train of keep him at second and put Jose at third because the third base options just aren't that good. Um, And if they want to do the whole Jose at second thing, they can maybe try him at first. But I think at this point, it's kind of clear they're going to try to put him somewhere, and they're not just dumping him off to the Mets like it like it kind of seemed like last week at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I from the Indians' perspective, I don't think they can expect to get a lot of talent back for him. Um, even though he doesn't have a totally clear position situation, like, I don't think giving them up for prospects makes much sense because the window is open right now. And, like, that's not to say I don't want the window to still be open in three years. Um, but it's one thing to have free agents sign with another team. It's another thing to trade away potentially good players for a return that you know is not going to help you next year. Um, and the the Mets to me was like, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Mets to have gotten him, but I don't know what the Mets are doing. Like the Mets are a mess right now. Uh, and I know it wasn't that long ago that they were in the world series and I know they had health stuff and could potentially bounce back quite a bit this year, but the Mets were bad this year. Uh, they were not Jason Kipnis away from being in contention or anything like that. <laughs> um, I feel like the Mets should probably be, Reevaluating what their plan is, uh, rather than trying to trade for Jason Kipnis. Well, so, yeah, was, he was initially their buy low option in quotes from New York Post. So I guess he's not like their. It wasn't planned to be their fix. It was just they're kind of take a gamble on a guy who might be had for cheap. But it just turns out he wasn't as cheap yeah. as they thought. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, to me, the potential of freeing up the money in order to keep Santana was appealing, just because. Ultimately, I'd rather have Santana than Kipnis. Um, but at this point, the money they would save from if they didn't have Kipnis's contract wouldn't be J.D. Martinez money. Um, 
you know, wouldn't be Eric Hosmer money. And thank goodness. Cause again, I want nothing to do with him. Um, and you know, the other possible guys they would use it on just don't really appeal to me that much at this point. I think I would rather they just keep Kipnis and, you know, hope something shakes out the right way with, you know, who plays what position. And obviously above all else, hope that he's healthy and, you know, back to his 2016, 2015 form, uh, you know, after a rough year this year. So jokingly or not, um, every week we get asked a bunch of questions. How do I survive without baseball? How do I survive without Carlos Santana? Baseball is so many months away. What do we do in the meantime? So you had the neat idea. Let's just, let's give suggestions. <laughs> we always kind of ignore those questions because they're not baseball related, but there's not a whole lot of baseball going on right now. Um, we're not going to be recording for another couple weeks because of New Year's or yeah, New Year's and Christmas and all that good stuff. So so here's some stuff you guys can do um, between between now and at least when we get back, other than binge watch, listen to our episodes, of course, but um, at least until we get back, at least until the season starts, some kind of things you can do to fill your time in the off offseason. Um, I have quite a few, but I'm going to let you go first, Jason. Um, did you have a couple kind of shows, movies, any games, anything people can do to fill their time before yeah. baseball? Uh, I mean, it's a good time of year to see movies. Uh, with the baby at home, my my winter movie going will be more limited than usual. Um, but certainly, uh, it's a good time of year. If you like big blockbusters, it's not quite as big as summer, but there are some pretty big movies. Um, but really, if you like like prestige movies, awards movies, some people would just say good movies. Um, there's a lot going on. Having already seen The Last Jedi, uh, the movie in the next few weeks, the one movie that I'll be sure to find a way to see uh, is Phantom Thread, which is the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. And he plays some sort of like dressmaker. And I know for a lot of people, uh, a movie about a dressmaker is not that appealing. Um, but this is the team that made There Will Be Blood, which I think is the best movie of the last 10 years. Um, so as soon as I found out there's a new Paul Thomas Anderson movie starring Daniel Day-Lewis, um, it literally did not matter what you told me what it was about. Um, I was going to be in line to see it. Um, so for a single movie, that would be my top recommendation. Um, there's so much good TV right now. So if you've missed any of the great shows this year, um, my favorite TV drama these days is the Americans, which is on FX. Highly recommend it. Better Call Saul is fantastic. Um, I love BoJack Horseman on Netflix. If you're looking for a 30-minute show, BoJack Horseman is both hilarious and also, like, I think a better look at depression than Mad Men was. Um, and I would highly recommend BoJack Horseman. Um, let's see. Beyond movies and TV shows, I would give you book recommendations, but I've been terrible about reading this year. Um, but we should all read more books. Um, how about you? What do you got? Before I get to mine, I want to say I did not know about the Daniel Day Lewis movie, but I'm all in on it now. <laughs> there Will Be Blood is easily, if not my favorite movie of all time, one of the top three. That was so, yeah. and if he's in anything, I want to watch it from now on. That was like my first Daniel, Daniel Day Lewis and, movie, I think. Daniel and, Lewis announced that he's retiring from movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, something like that, a guy can always change his mind. Um, but it's at least possible that this is the last movie he's ever going to be in. So I wouldn't miss it. So mine is basically just kind of a, kind of a summary of how I spent my off season between writing um, and kind of how you can do it too. Uh, so I have games that I play a lot. 
the three main ones is Rocket League, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's basically soccer with race cars. Um, anybody who's even mildly into sports, I think, could get into it. You're going to look really stupid playing for a while, but over like a year and a half, maybe two years, I have, I think, like 70 hours into it, and now I'm finally to the point where I can hit the ball consistently. So, you know, just, just a couple hours of work. You'll be there. <laughs> It'll be good. But even when you look really dumb, it's a super fun game to play. Um, a couple of electrical tribers play it, too, and... Me and Matt and Tyler are trying to get to do it together and do it. it. Never works out, but we're gonna do it eventually. It's really fun to play with other people. Um, another one is No Man's Sky, which is a game that was perceived as really bad when it came out because it was this big hyped up thing. It was gonna be great. You can fly through space, do what you want, and then it turned out it's just kind of the same thing in different like things are swapped out and you're doing the same thing multiple places. But if you can get it for like twenty bucks at GameStop, it's not a bad small little indie game to play once in a while. Um, listen to a podcast, some music, something like that, and just play it in the background. In this third game, I'm not necessarily proud of, but um, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, which is a nice little mobile game where you just kind of, if you've ever played the like the mainstream Animal Crossing games, they have all little villagers. They're all kind of in your camp and you do things for them and try to get them to come over and hang out in your camp. I don't know. That's the goal of the game so far from what I can tell. And it's surprisingly fun and I've been playing a lot of it. So if anybody does decide to play it, just go ahead and DM me on Twitter. I don't know how to add people besides like being connected on Twitter or whatever. So. Go ahead and do that, and I'll add you on there. That one, it sounds really stupid, especially if you've never played, like, regular Animal Crossing. But it is surprisingly fun just to... It's one of those games you just kind of pull out and do anyway, which are the kind of the best mobile games. And it's also Nintendo, so it's got a bunch of polish. It's not just some junkware that a lot of mobile games are. Um, I knew you'd recommend a lot of TV and movies, so I want to do something kind of different you can watch. I watch way too much YouTube, and we've talked about Twitch before, but three kind of... Um, not exactly like unknown YouTube channels, but I watch a lot of really popular ones, but these are the three that are not the most popular, just kind of interesting. You can check out. Um, the first is one it's, um, Nakey Jakey, N-A-K-E-Y, J-A-K-E-Y. And he, he's, he's just kind of a guy who likes video games. He sits on a bounce ball for some reason. He does his videos. Um, if you were like around and played video games in the nineties and two thousands, it's really nostalgic the way he talks about like the PlayStation one era. And he just gets into really specific things about games that are really interesting. Um, so that's one good one. The other one is one called documentary TV, <laughs> which since I've got a puppy, I've been really into watching dog things. And this one it's, it's really well produced. I mean, it's, as far as I know, it's just some guy who likes dogs and making movies, but he goes to these different dog owners and dog breeders and records just like, about specific breeds and it's really neat especially if it's a dog you have and to see kind of like the top shelf top breeder how they deal with their dogs and kind of feed off that it's really interesting stuff um and like i said I think it's just one guy who's a really good production value um and the last youtube channel is kind of a weird one so it's called firebox stove it's literally just this guy who goes camping and he invented this little like metal stove thing where you can cook on it really easily it packs up really tightly it's all just one big ad but he never like hides it. He just points out, this is the thing I made. I'm using it. Watch my channel. And it's like really, if you've ever watched Survivor Man, like Man vs. Wild, that kind of stuff. It's like that, but way more down to earth. It's really, it's hard to describe how to watch, but I just use it as background on it. It's really relaxing. It makes me want to cook anything with hash browns because this guy, he'll make like, he catches fish and he just rubs butter in the little bowl and puts fish in it and puts hash browns in it. And I don't know. It's just really weird to watch. and It's kind of fun. And the last suggestion, just in general, is pick up another sport. If you only watch baseball, just give something else a try in the offseason. Uh, my go-to one is usually hockey, which is in a really good place right now, I think. Um, a lot of fun teams. I like the Devils. They're weirdly good and also kind of bad, but they're going to collapse soon. I try to think of a baseball equivalent to what the Devils are right now. Um, but they're kind of a team who's been winning. 
they're like a team with a really bad um, Pythag record. They're, you know they're going to be out eventually, but right now they're fun. So, but Aki is a lot, a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch. If you've never watched it before. Basketball, I'm sure, is pretty fun. Um, I think you, I know you watch that. Um, and football, if you like a slow moving train wreck, go ahead and check that out. But there are lots of other sports to watch besides baseball. If you're if you're just kind of tired of the boring slow off season we have, just just go ahead and give it a shot. If you play Sonic the Hedgehog 2, hit me up. <laughs> there is a new Sonic game, Jason. You got to check that one out. I don't want anything to do with a new Sonic game. <laughs> well, no, it's it's called Sonic Mania. It's made by a bunch of like fans, and it's basically like the classic Sonic games, but they're just they're not they're not on the screen. They're like made in the same. It's the same style, the same general mechanics, but like it's an actually good new Sonic game, which has not been able to be said since like Sonic Two. <laughs> That's been a long time, but. Would you really not want to play soccer with race cars? Come on, Jason. I mean, I wouldn't want to play soccer with race cars with people who have played soccer with race cars before. Like, at some point when I was <laughs> gone, my friends got into Call of Duty, and I came back, and it was like, well, I'm never going to catch up to them, and I have no interest in just running around getting shot in the head every 10 seconds not knowing who by. So I just made a decision to never play Call of Duty, and <laughs> roughly around the same time, basically stopped playing video games in general. And while I admire people who do have the time for it, I don't know what I would cut down on to have the time for it. Yeah, that's right. That's usually my time to watch. When it's not baseball, which I have to watch and like write about, like I'll watch like hockey and play at the same time. So it's kind of like my second screen thing at this point. Um, it's fun. It's just really, you're going to look really stupid for a really long time. <laughs> and try to look up videos of people who are really good at it and then play for five seconds and you'll feel even worse. Because the people who are good are just flying through the air and getting these crazy shots. Meanwhile, you're like struggling to hit the ball off the ground, so... Fun stuff. Um, anything you got fun coming up till next week, Jay? Or I guess not next week. In the next couple weeks, it's going to be Christmas, New Year's. Yeah, just finish it up before winter break and then try to enjoy winter break. Um, looking forward to that. Every teacher's favorite two weeks of the school year. <laughs> this is your second. Is this your second year with a baby or first? It'll be first Christmas. Oh, really? I thought she was older for some reason, but are you guys traveling with her and everything? No, people are coming here, so we're not traveling. And that's not bad. I mean, it's you know, there's a level of excitement about you know her first Christmas and stuff. It's also a level of like she has no idea what's going on. It'll oh, be yeah. it'll be a while before Christmas <laughs> really feels Christmas with her. Um, but I'm sure she'll enjoy sharing some paper. Even I can't remember what I got for my kids for the first Christmas, let alone them remembering it. <laughs> but I remember it being a big deal at the time. So that's fun. Um, I'm gonna be watching Star Wars. That's about it. Trying to hope something happens with baseball, playing Rocket League, and. Playing a little Animal Crossing game, which is surprisingly fun. So, um, Jason, talk to you in a few weeks. Uh, everybody else, we'll see you then. Bye.